Blog Talk Radio. First thing to the team, uh, something we learned this summer, and uh, <clears throat> from uh, um, you know a, a leader talking about you know you really don't have any leadership uh, until you, you have a beat of sweat and the crap hits the fan, and that's what happened. And we learned a lot about our team, and we had great leadership through that. We had great poise, uh, but it did look bleak. I think we had six plays. You guys would know better. Uh, so we didn't get a chance to draw up one thing on defense, not one thing. Uh, we scored in two plays, which actually worked against us. Mm-hmm. And then we fumbled, and then we inter- and then threw an interception. So we didn't get a chance to draw, to draw up anything. When Mark got him at, at halftime and drew him up, all right, the guys came back with a vengeance. And they, they, uh, they, they played with poise and precision. And uh, again, my hat's off to Mark. That was the, what, what they did at halftime was phenomenal. It was not pretty. And uh, that's why with the ball, uh, I was excited about 17 all. And I thought that, that, you know, kind of breathed some life into us at that point. You know, I didn't want to mess around with it. I think it was fourth and two. I want to mess around with that. Just take it there. I didn't think he was going to try to win in the two-minute drill. And then we'd get the ball. And, uh, and you know, again, we started the game over at halftime, basically. So, again, real proud of our guys, the way they fought. Learned a lot about our team today. Learned a lot about our leadership. And, uh, you know, what a gutsy performance from Steven. It was a tale of two halves. Yes, it was. The Miami Hurricanes, on the verge of going down 24-7 in the second quarter, woke up to overwhelm the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets and moved to 5-0 and in a season that is getting more interesting by the second. Hello again, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Kane Sport Live. I'm Gary Furman, the publisher of Canesport.com, and we're once again getting ready to embark on the fastest two hours in Hurricane Sports each week. As always, this is your show, and it's going to be driven by your participation. We're going to start out talking about Saturday's Georgia Tech game, about Stephen Morris's performance, about Miami's first half defensive struggles, and then the complete turnaround, and other issues pertaining to Hurricane football with open phone lines. And then later, we're going to talk recruiting with Rivals.com Southeast analyst Keenan Codrington, who's going to rejoin us this week. And then we'll get back to more Hurricane talk in the final hour, all the way up until 10 o'clock. So we welcome everybody to call in and participate in the show as always. The call-in number is 646-595-2048. That's 646-595-2048. We have 50 phone lines open, just like we do every week. So there's plenty of room for everybody to call in and participate in the show. Over the past couple days, as usual, as well, we have asked Canesport.com subscribers to identify some of the topics that they would like to hear discussed on tonight's show. Why tell everybody that Stephen Morris is fine and actually looks better during the days leading up to the game, and then Morris comes out throwing off his back foot and limping like a pirate with a wood leg? Yeah, he did look like he was on one leg the other day, but he played pretty darn well considering all that. What was up with the refs in the Georgia Tech game? Were we seeing things, or was the Georgia Tech offensive line being allowed to start early? And didn't some of those spots seem to favor Tech as well? Is the Miami offensive line getting better? Because Georgia Tech's defensive line was all over Virginia Tech's offensive line, and the Miami O-line held up pretty well on Saturday. How can Miami maximize McCord's playmaking ability? You saw that great hit he had on the quarterback the other day. His ratio of big plays to downs played is ridiculous. Would he be equally effective if he was playing more, and where might he fit in the Miami defense? When do you think Deion Bush might return to the starting lineup? That's a good question, but I'll tell you what was a favorable sign – that special teams play that he made on Saturday. We'll talk more about that. 
What's going on with Chantrell Henderson? A surprise scratch from the lineup on Saturday who wasn't even in uniform. Would you think he would have learned his lesson by now? Is it time for Al Golden to cut his losses and move on from Chantrell? Doesn't look that way, but we'll talk more about that. In all, people would love to hear about the matchup with North Carolina next Thursday, a game that looked so sexy before the season began, but now Carolina is 1-4 in four and floundering. We could talk a little bit about that. Both Sandlin and many others had breakout games against Savannah State, and they didn't see the field in, against Georgia Tech. What was up with that? We could talk about that. Should consideration be made to taking Philip Dorsett off of the punt return team after his mistake against Georgia Tech on Saturday? Do you really make a a move that rash over one mistake when the guy's been so steady catching the ball throughout his career? With Marlins Park set to host the new bowl game starting next year, could Miami possibly take a look at moving its home games from Sun Life Stadium to Marlins Park? We could talk about that. How many recruiting classes of the Hurricanes from where the program needs to be to consistently compete for national championships? Who might be a National Signing Day surprise this year in recruiting? Will Booker T's Treon Harris get an offer? He's having a very good season at Booker T, but right now Miami is only interested in him as a slot receiver. They're not interested in him as a quarterback. Florida State's telling him they will give him a shot to play quarterback, so right now he's committed to Florida State. Could that change? We'll give you one scenario where that might be a possibility, but it's certainly not something to really bet on. How good is FSU, speaking of the Seminoles? So far, their schedule has been a little soft, but they do have that big game coming up against Clemson where everyone might find out how good they are. Why does Miami like to defer when they win the toss before the games? Those um, third coming out in the third quarter on offense has not been working out very well the last couple times. What's behind the improvement of Shayon Green? How about Al Golden's maximization of the talent on the roster? How is that contributing to team morale? Morale, rather. What's going on with guys like Larry Hope, Juwan Blue, Earl Moore, Corey King, and others who seem like they were going to have a role this year but really have not? And how about the statement that I made this week that some people have asked about where I said that this is as good a coaching job as I've seen ever at the University of Miami. You guys agree with me? I hope you'll call in to discuss that. So the whole lot of topics on the plate for tonight. Um, Once again, this is your show. We welcome you to call in 646-595-2048, 646-595-2048, wide open board. And we're going to start off tonight in the 515 where you are now live on Kane Sport Live. Good evening. Hello. All right, let's. You there? Hello. Gary. Yeah, there you go. There you are. Go ahead. Hey, I, I actually, uh, I actually didn't uh, press one to come onto the show. I don't know why it brought me on. Oh, okay. Did you have a question, or you just want to listen? Uh, I don't know. Uh, talk about Braxton Berrios for a little bit. Uh, what do you think? What do you think is going to happen Saturday? Well. The latest that we've heard on Braxton Barrios is that right now South Carolina might have a slight edge over Miami. Um, I think, it, you know, with all respects to some of the other visits he's taken, um, and from everything that I've heard, it's looking like a two-team race um, between the Gamecocks and the Hurricanes. Um, obviously, Miami wants him very badly. They think he could be a really good slot receiver. Uh, South Carolina's closer to home. 
Uh, right now, if I had to make a bet on it, I would say South Carolina, but you know, it's very very close. What about uh, what about Johnny Dixon? He's been he's been pretty quiet. Usually, when when recruits get quiet, uh, it ends up not being a good sign for Miami. What uh, what are you hearing there? Well, I mean, it was encouraging that he showed up at the game the other day. I thought. You know, I mean, he he hadn't been there before this season, and um, I thought it was good that he came out and spent some time with the coaches and and uh, got to witness that great game on Saturday at Sun Life Stadium. Um, I'm not quite sure why he's taking so long to make a decision, and and I agree with you that the, the delay um, might lead you to believe that he's taking some other schools extremely seriously as well. Uh, I think in the end, with the season Miami's having, with the way these receivers are being showcased, it's going to be very hard for him to say no to the Hurricanes. I feel better about Johnny Dixon right now than I do Braxton Berrios. That's encouraging. <laughs> All right, thanks, Gary. All righty, thank you. Um, did you need me to leave you on hold? Yes. Okay, we'll we'll try to leave you on hold there. All right, now let's go out to the uh, the three four seven where you are now live on Kane Sport Live. How are you this evening? Hey, Gary, what's going on? This is Kwame. Hey, what's up, Kwame? I was just calling to uh, let you know I ate a little bit of crow because I called last week uh, chastising you about Georgia Tech's offense, and I was... Uh, <laughs> I tried to tell you guys. You, I was I'm thoroughly not, wrong. I'm not right all the time, Kwame. There's no question about that, but this is not this is not my first rodeo, man. And I just, you know, when I looked at that matchup, uh, and and I really I really felt that Georgia Tech was going to come into that game looking to exploit the outside perimeter of Miami's defense, and they did, um, and they did it in a in a number of different ways. And you got to give Paul Johnson credit. You know, he came up with that great unbalanced line scheme or, or set of schemes, and that really threw Miami off for the first quarter and into the second quarter. Um, but I will say this, man: once they adjusted and Mark D'Onofrio got those guys lined up the way That's they needed the to be. Team. Oh my God, they they were unbelievable. I mean, they just totally shut that thing down. I have to give them a lot of credit, uh, you know, because they they actually they were moving the ball very well on us in the first, you know, throughout the first half. And when they got down seventeen uh, by ten points, I was just like, well, wait a minute, can I cut? <laughs> it was shades of all, but what I what I noticed about uh, because they scored so fast, I guess they didn't have a chance to really talk to the D-line and say, okay, well, you get the up man, and then well, I'll get the quarterback and you get the tailback. They didn't really – because they were doing a whole lot of things with their formation. Like you said, they were coming up with this unbalanced line, making a lot of shifts. And I don't think they were properly uh, – at least the linebackers weren't checking into the proper calls based on the line, the alignment that they were seeing. And so when they went into halftime, I was – I guess I, I wasn't pleasantly surprised. I was – I was very satisfied, I should say, that the, the co- they had the personnel there who can who can take in and grasp what the coaches are trying to draw up and execute it on the field. And you saw that because they they shut them down in the second half. Save that that last little touchdown that they had. They 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 really shut them down. Well, you know, every every now and then there's um there's scenes that that, that go on that I I wish everybody could see because you know it's one of the privileges. Of, of doing what I do, and and you know I was going up into the press box the other day. To, uh, I, I do the the halftime show on the uh, 
network radio broadcast on QAM and the Hurricane Football Network. And I was going up there to go into the booth to, to do the halftime show and uh, almost got steamrolled by Coach D. I mean, he came flying out of that Miami coaching booth and, you know, we couldn't have gotten in the elevator quicker to, to get down to the locker room and make those adjustments. And, you know, they really only have, you know, he, he called it three minutes. I mean, it, it might be a shade more than that, but not much more. And, and, and you know, he's got to get in there and he's got to get on that chalkboard and, and draw what he wants done up. And the kids got to grasp it. And I, and I think the fact that Miami has such an experienced um, def- defensive group on the field this year might have helped them make those adjustments because maybe they understood better what needed to be done because uh, when they came out in the third quarter and um, made, did some of the things that Coach D had told them he wanted to do, I mean, like we said, I mean, it, it was it was curtains, man. I mean, you know, Georgia Tech, I don't think, gained five more yards outside the rest of the game. And, and Miami was already dominating the, the fullback dive and uh, the quarterback run. So – you know, Georgia Tech really couldn't get a whole lot done on offense until that last drive at the end of the game against the reserves, who probably you know weren't even part of any adjustments, to be honest. So, um, yeah, I mean, just a phenomenal job by Coach D. I, I'm, I'm really happy for him. You know, I've been saying all along the last couple of years that everybody I spoke to when Al Golden brought him down here told me that he's a very high-quality football coach and, and, and would do a good job here. And you know, he just didn't have the personnel. He didn't have the seasoning those the first two seasons. And he took a lot of flack from the fans, you know, which is, you know, I mean, it's understandable. I mean, when, when you have one of the worst defenses in Division One football at the University of Miami, you're going to get heat. But, you know, I'm just really happy for him that he's getting to show, you know, his true colors a little bit this year, that the defense is, is rated so high and, and doing so well. And um, it's without question one of the happy stories of the season so far. I guess the next topic I wanted to go to because I, maybe I was a little overzealous last week, and I'll continue to be zealous as long as we win. Uh, the schedule and how that plays into a part, and I, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I, I found myself rooting for that team up north who seems to have this association with reptiles. I found myself rooting for them because the better that they do, and by half his chance, you know, look what happened to Georgia. If Florida gets to the SEC championship game out of the East, and Miami can get to the ACC championship game unblemished uh, and face off against maybe a Florida State again or a Clemson. How do you deny them uh, the national championship game? I'm, I'm still I'm, I've been looking at the schedule, trying to wrap my brain around it, and saying if by half his chance Florida gets to play Alabama in the SEC championship game. I don't think there's a, a a chance in hell, save the NCAA, that you can deny Miami of beating a, a, an SEC team, uh, top ranked, which would be a, might be top five by the time we play Florida State, and then going on and beating an unbeaten Clemson team. I, I I don't see how you well, beat that team if that happens. Now, granted, there you have to play the games. You know, you don't know what's going to happen with Morris's ankle, whether that'll hold up. But I'm saying, in a perfect world. It, you know, uh, if that scenario plays out, uh, can they get to the bowl? Well, I mean, there's some inherent problems to what you're talking about here. I mean, obviously, yes, you're right. You want Florida to win as many games as possible this year because that will make Miami's victory over the Gators look better. No question. 
Um, but let's talk about what it would take to get into the national championship game to begin with. Um, just taking a look at the undefeated teams that are ranked ahead of Miami right now. Alabama doesn't look like they're on the verge of losing anytime soon. Oregon, you know, I'm they not very impressed. They got to play huh? Stanford. They yeah. got to play Stanford. So you're right. One of those two are going to eliminate themselves. But either way, if they stay undefeated, if the winner stays undefeated, they're going to stay ahead of the Hurricanes. Um, I do think Clemson's going to lose. There's no doubt in my mind. I think they're going to lose to Florida State. If not Florida State, I think that they could lose to Miami in the ACC championship game. Um, Ohio State plays nobody. I don't see how they're going to lose. Um, but what they what the computers put them Georgia. ahead of Miami. Well, right now, yeah. Now Georgia is a, is an interesting situation because they have one loss. Um, however, um, I do think they're going to beat Florida, and I think they're going to they're going to go into that SEC championship game uh, against Alabama with one loss. So. The the question would be who wins that game, and obviously if Georgia goes to two losses, they drop they drop out of the picture. But you know you yeah. still have Louis, Louisville in there who plays nobody. They, um, they don't play anybody. And then you've still got you know I mean I think the the one loss SEC teams will eventually eliminate themselves, so I don't see that as an issue. Um, and I think UCLA will eliminate itself relatively soon. They're, you know, they're not a candidate to go undefeated. Oklahoma, you never know. You know, an, another team that could benefit from a soft schedule. So, so I think it's going to be really, really hard for Miami, no matter what happens, to get into those top one of those top two slots. I really, really do. Um, but, you know, like you said, crazier things have happened and teams can get upset and, 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 sh- and things can shake up. But I just think, I think it's going to be really, really difficult. Um, a one loss, a one loss SEC SEC team beats out uh, undefeated Miami team. Uh, no, I don't think so. Uh, I I think that Miami, if Miami's undefeated, the resume would be strong enough with victories over Florida, Florida State, and Virginia Tech um, to to trump that. You know, remember Virginia Tech more than likely, even if they lose to Miami, will have a ten and two season more than likely. You know, I mean, they may maybe they maybe nine and three at the worst, but you know they're not going to be worse than that. So mm-hmm. that'll be an impress. That would be an impressive win. Florida would be an impressive win. Florida State would be an impressive win. Um, and then the ACC championship game over Clemson or Florida State would be another impressive win. I, I think at that point the resume would be strong enough that a one-loss team would not overtake Miami. Um, however, I do think there's going to be multiple undefeated teams at the end of the year, and that's going to be you know problematic. Mm-hmm. Speaking, of, you, you know, you just went to a school that you know I want to touch on recruiting for a quick second, if I can. UCLA and this offer, and now I see USC is offered Brad Kaya. Uh, how strong is his commitment? I know you know Westwood is his hometown school, but I'm hoping that Coley and some of the you know coaching staff getting in on him early and, and recognizing his talent when some of these other recruiting websites and coaches. I mean, last time I looked, you know, six months ago, he only had an offer from San Diego State. Now, all of a sudden, B-Neck has gone through the seven-on-sevens and been through all these camps, and people see his arm strength and and, and what he's doing out through the season. They're trying to come after the fact and, and get him to stay home. I even heard, like, some of the uh, alumni in Westwood are trying to pressure him through ads to get him to stay home. Uh, how yeah, firm is this commitment? 
Um, he's saying all the right things. Um, however, I, I think that you know, if if you're Miami and James Coley, that you you know you need to have a, a backup plan in the event that he he does defect at some point. You know, it, it's no different than a team coming in here uh, trying to get a player from Miami and hold on to him. You know, I mean, you know, obviously, you know, you take like a Georgia that gets an early Sony Michelle commitment. You know, Miami's not going to stop recruiting Sony Michelle in December and January. You know, they, they may be, you know, giving him a little space right now, letting things play itself out. You know, but but they'll they'll pick things back up in in December and January more than likely. Same thing with guys like Dalvin Cook, Ermin Lane, who are committed to Florida. Miami's not just going to you know stop recruiting those guys as the hometown school. And mm-hmm. the same thing will go for UCLA and, and and Southern Cal out there with Brad Kaya. Uh, so you know he's saying all the right things. He says he's a firm commitment. Um, but I think that you'd be naive if you didn't at least, you know, ponder the possibility of him, you know, possibly changing his mind. Who would be the, the backup? Uh, I mean, I, I thought Rozier was like a baseball guy, and I read on the board uh, today that, you know, Treon Harris is waiting to see whether or not they offer him as a quarterback. Uh, I mean, I like his game, but truth, he looks to me more like a, a Heinz Ward slot guy rather than a quarterback. Even though I watched the kid can sling the rock, but I just worry about you know his height. I mean, that's it may work in high school, but when you have you know six foot six, you know lineman, you know is he is he going to be able to see over the line? Uh, he he seems to have arm strength. An arm talent, from what I can see, just from watching his games on that are nationally televised. But I'm not, you know, there on the ground, kind of, yeah, you know, kind of seeing my own two eyes. Personally, I don't think so. I, I think that's why they have not offered him as a quarterback. Uh, but would he be a, a backup plan if, at the last minute, Brad Kaya defects? Might they say, okay, we'll give you a shot at quarterback? You never know. You know, you just never know. You know, I I think he. It's too early to tell. I think guys are still emerging. I think that there's, you know, always new names that pop up as recruiting goes forward. There's so much you can get done in December and January. Um, but right now, I think they're counting on Brad Kaya coming. He's, he hasn't given them any indication he's not. I appreciate it, Gary. As All right, always, Kwame, I, I appreciate what you do. Thanks for calling, man. Thanks. Um, all right, um, we're going to go out to more calls right now. The number is six four six five nine five two zero four eight. Six four six five nine five two zero four eight. You're welcome to uh, call in and join the show. Let's shoot out now to the um, eight oh five, where you're now live on Kane Sport Live. Hey, thanks, Gary. Appreciate you very much. Uh, my name oh, is uh, thank you. Kelly you. And uh, right, Kelly? sitting here, yeah, sitting here in Orlando in the in the hotel room, just working. Uh, my question is related to. Uh, let's see here, your experience with Al Golden. Uh, what type of relationship do you have with the coaching staff and uh, how open is the coaching staff to you, you know, based on your job and reporting on the team? Are, are they pretty open to you or do they just keep it really professional or what is that relationship like? This coaching staff is great to work with. Um, I, I just a phenomenal group of guys. They're always available. The, the, the media access is, is phenomenal. Uh, can't say enough about you know the the access that we get to the players and the coaches. Uh, how good Al Golden is with the media, he's as good as it gets. And um, you know, I think our coverage is indicative of that. You know, I think the fact that they're so.
so accessible and, and open allows us to cover this team at the level that we do. And you know, I hope you guys that are subscribers to our website uh, feel the same way as I do. Uh, you know, I, I think that we're able to give you guys a really good inside look at this football team. Yeah, and on uh, a side note, the other thing I'll say is that highlight video that you guys recently posted of the 2015 commit, I think he's a linebacker slash running back. Oh, my gosh, that guy is a beast. Um, I, I, I didn't see anything until I saw his highlight video, but I think that that kid is a really special player, and I, I think that he's going to be a, a big-time prospect for us. Yep. Well, I mean, there's a lot of them out there. Next, this next recruiting cycle is going to really be good, and, and Miami's getting a head start on it because you know what they've done here is they've filled up 2014, you know, pretty well. Still, still, obviously a few few slots left, and there might be a little shake up here or there. But they got a real good head start on this recruiting class, and that's allowing them to work really hard on 2015. And um, I think you're going to see it pay dividends next year. Yeah, and and I hope we were able to flip. Uh, a top running back prospect in our backyard. We'll see what happens, but uh, that's what I'm crossing my fingers for. You never know. You never know. Anything else tonight? Thanks, buddy. Appreciate everything All you right. do. All right, thank you. Thanks for calling. All right, now let's shoot out to the um, the 917, where you're now live on Kane Sport Live. Hey, Garrett, what's up? How you doing? Who's this? What's up? It's BK Hurricane. Hey, what's up, BK? What you got? Hey, Gary. Man, I got to tell you, I was cursing you out all day Saturday. <laughs> what I do? I How told you. you. <laughs> I didn't jinx that. I told you what was going to happen. <laughs> I was like, Gary, jinx this. He was cursing you out the whole first half. I said, oh, my God, he did He did us in. Look, all James right, these games are never as easy as everybody thinks they're going to be. You know, you still got to go out and play. You, got, you have very good coaches in the ACC. Paul Johnson's one of them. He came up with a great game plan, uh, took advantage of, you know, a little bit of perceived weakness out on the perimeter. But to me, this, like I said earlier, the stunning thing was once Mark D'Onofrio made those adjustments, I mean, they didn't get nothing outside, inside, any place. Yeah, you know, I mean, it was a nice adjustment by, um, you know, by Coach D. But for some reason, I kept wondering why they didn't put Tyreek McCord in earlier because, you know, his speed on the outside, he might have been able to cut off a lot of those runs towards the sideline. Um, I'll tell you why. Uh, against that offense, you need stout bodies at the line of scrimmage. Okay. And that's not that's not Tyreek's game yet. You know, maybe one day it will be. You know, right now he's still a little more linebacker-esque than defensive end desk. And, um, you know, that third down pass rushing role is a, is a great role for him, and he's doing a phenomenal job. Uh, I think if you tried to make him an every down defensive end right now, uh, I don't think it would work out very well. And I think you have other linebackers that are doing a really good job that belong on the field on first and second down. So uh, I like the personnel use on defense. I, I think the coaches are doing a great job. Okay. Okay. Uh couple questions um but the first do you think you know being that you know we're 25 commitments in do you think Al Golden breaks the bank and and cracks 30 um well I I, I thought all along a lot a, a lot was going to depend you know I think you got to see what the NCAA does um for starters you know I I think it's a possibility uh you know here's what I think I think that there's going to be 
at least five guys brought in at midterm that are linemen. I think they're looking very hard for offensive and defensive linemen that they can bring in in January because this team is, is going to get real thin real quick at those spots. Um, and they really need to develop some players for next year um, at the line position. Um, but from there, I, I, I think, you know, you just go wait and see. I, I, I mean, I find it hard to believe the NCAA is not going to rule before signing day. So, you know, I, I think that's a moving target right now. Right, and if they do rule, those sanctions won't come into effect until the next recruiting cycle, right? Well, no. I mean, they could say you got to start docking scholarships right now. You know, they really? could. They could absolutely. With you know, which might affect you know a couple of the guys on the commitment list. Uh, you know, you never know. But but you know, you don't, I don't want to speculate too much on that, to be honest with you. And I don't want to be an alarmist because we don't know what the NCAA is going to do. Um, yeah, but isn't it up to the universities to decide how they break up the um, no, you know, the hit on commitments, or, or they have not. to take X amount every year. They will be told specific years, yes. Oh, okay. you know, it'll be they'll say like five scholarships a year for the next three years, and it, it would ah. it would start it would begin immediately, absolutely. Uh, I now, got you. I got you. you know, if 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 they still haven't done anything by the middle of January and Miami's all committed out, then then maybe they wait until you know after signing day. But you know, right now that's also speculative. I mean, we're you know we're only in the first week of October here, so. Oh, because I have a strange feeling that uh, you know that you know the NCAA is really trying to drag this thing out, and it may go into next year. So if that's the case, I hope Al Gordon just breaks the bank and takes. 32, 33. Well, they they'll, I mean, they will. I mean, it, I mean, granted, some of the guys never made it on the campus, but we have done it before. Yeah, and I think they have room. I mean, you know, they're they're yeah. they're low right now on on their scholarship total, so they have room for a huge number of, of commits this year if there's no penalties. All right. One other question. Um, you know, I might be in the minority here, but you know, like, why is it so much emphasis on like a Dalvin Cook? Now, granted, I know he's an amazing running back, but He's good. You know, in terms of stature, you know, he's got a big back. I thought we were looking for, you know, a big, strong back, like, you know, like how we had with Storm Johnson the one year he was here. Well, I think they are. I, you know, I, I think that if they could get a guy like Leonard Fournette, for example, I think they would love to do it. And, and I think they're they're looking around out there for candidates. But I don't think they stop recruiting Dalvin Cook. And he is a little bit of a bigger back than Yearby. He, he, he's extremely – talented kid, very fast, and if you can get him, you know, I, I think you'd like to obviously take him, but, you know, I don't think right now that they're focusing that hard on that. I think they are looking around at some other kids, and uh, we'll see what happens, you know? Yeah, because I think you always have to leave room for a, a Dalvin Cook and an Ermon Lane. you got to leave room for them, but I think they might want to focus on bigger backs, and if Dalvin Cook and Ermon Lane decides to come along on signing day, you just got to make room for them. Well, they'll figure that out when it comes when the time comes. You know, uh, right now I they don't have enough. Re- right now they don't have enough receivers committed. So <laughs> they, yeah, they I, know, I, know, I know. They have room for receivers. So if Herman Lane wants to change his mind right now, he's got his spot. You know, I'm kind of not that happy with with our linebacker. You know, you know, with our linebackers either. The recruits. Yeah, the recruits, I don't. Right? I don't totally disagree. You know, I don't. You know. Jury's probably still a little bit out on Jawan Young. You know, I personally think the jury's out a little bit on Terry McRae. 
Um, the guy that I do like is um, Darian Owens, who's who's playing sa- safety right now, but who's projecting yeah. as a line, linebacker in college. Um, I do like that kid uh, quite a bit. But uh, I don't disagree with you that they maybe could do a little bit better at linebacker than what they have right now. We'll have to see. Yeah, we might have to take one more, you know. I think we need to really look at one more. Yeah. No you arguments know, on that, that one. That linebacker isn't that great right now as it is. Yep. I agree. All, all right. right. Do you have well, anything yeah. else? Any, any, anything else tonight? No, nah, we'll just see how it all plays out, and it's always a pleasure talking to you. All right. Thank you so much for calling. All right. Let's uh, jump out now to the um, the nine five four, where you're now live on Kane Sport Live. Hey Gary, how you doing, pal? Doing good. Who's this? This is uh, Blake Brello, Kane Sport. Whatever. All right, Blake. What's How's it happening? going, man? Cool no, much, man. Hey, I want to touch on a couple things, but um, first things first, I I have to agree with uh, BK, man. I was thinking, man, I'm like, man, Gary was saying it all week, man. He got to watch out for this option because I figured we were gonna snuff it out like we did the last couple years. Well, not really snuff it out, but you know, handle it to a to a degree. And that first quarter and a half, I was a little uh, a little nervous. <laughs> well, I, I wasn't exactly expecting 170 yards in the first quarter either. You know, I mean, you know. With all with all respects to what I was saying, but uh, no, I mean I I think that what happened was when Georgia Tech came out with those new formations that Miami hadn't seen or prepared for. I think it made the kids very tentative. I think you saw your the corners were playing way back, guarding against the big play pass because you know one thing D'Onofrio did not want to allow in that game was huge impact passing plays. And Georgia Tech in their game before against Virginia Tech had averaged twenty yards per per reception and. D'Onofrio clearly was not going to let that happen. And the corners were playing way off the line of scrimmage. And then when they came out with the unbalanced line, now they really had Miami outnumbered out on the perimeter and there was nobody there to, right. to tackle anybody. Um, so, yeah, I wasn't anticipating 170 yards in the first quarter, but I, I, I feel what you're saying. You know, I, I, I know I, I know what I said last and, you know, I ended up being right and I wasn't happy about it, but you know, it, <laughs> right. it, 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 it was really the way you. I saw it. You know, I mean, I really felt no, like I that was the no, issue. But I tell you what, though, the last even four or five years, if if, if the team like that gets up on us, there was no turning back. It was it was it turned into a blowout. I was in Atlanta when they did that to us last time when it was freezing. When yep. I mean, I just just the, the way that Golden and the the coaching staffs got this team. I mean, I, you know, I don't think they I don't think they had a doubt in the mind that they were gonna be able to come back and. You know, fight back and all that. So I was good to see that. You know. Yeah, you know that's why I said that this week. This is as impressive of a coaching job as I've ever seen at this program in you know thirty plus years. I mean, you know, I I put this right there next to nineteen eighty three season. Um, you know, some of those JJ teams and Erickson teams that won national titles. Those teams were so loaded. Two thousand one, two thousand two. You know, those teams were loaded. You know, I, this team is not loaded like those teams were and they you know obviously some very good players the play, players are who are developing i think the receivers are loaded and off the charts um but top to bottom i think this is one of the best coaching jobs i've ever seen in this program right i also think there's, there's like some guys on the defense that'll be you know nfl guys you know two three years down the road as well so i mean i would say that it's not, not a ton it's not like it's not there it's not i don't think it's there you know in the same sense either yeah not a ton i mean you know some of the you know the, the tackles are getting better. You know, I, 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 is a Curtis Porter tough enough for the NFL? We'll see. 
Um, I, you know, I like what I'm seeing from Renfro. I thought he's taken a big step forward this year from what he did at Virginia. Um, so, you know, big bodies like that, they always have a chance to get in the league. Um, Denzel Perryman, you know, obviously has a shot. Um, too soon on the cornerbacks, but, you know, Ladarius Gunner is a big corner. Uh, the NFL loves those guys. Uh, so, you know, you're making a decent point. You know, I, I think there's some guys emerging. I mean, I mean even, a, even, a Jenk- even a Jenkins and a – I mean, I'm just saying, guys, that you know, later on he can he can bloom and be be pretty yeah. tough. But and then I, I want to touch on obviously, you know, obviously we have the bye week, but you know, UNC. I guess this would be the first team that's actually not a pro style because Fedora is not really a pro style, but he, he's a team that likes to throw the ball. That's not like a Florida or you know, we haven't really faced anybody else that has an offense that can throw the ball like they do. So I'm you know looking forward to seeing what we got back there. You know. Yeah, I mean, you know, an interesting team. I, you know, I don't understand why they're one and four. To be to be honest with you, I mean, how in the heck did they lose fifty five thirty one to East Carolina? Um, I don't get that at all. Um, but you know, you talk about their offense. Their offense has been struggling a little bit. They their offensive line's been allowing a lot of pressure. Um, their quarterbacks have been inconsistent. Um, Bryn Renner missed. Uh, the last game, and they, they had to put the backup Marquise Williams. Um, Davis that's the in. kid that we recruited. Doesn't that the kid we were recruiting for a while? Mar- Williams. Marquise, Marquise Davis. Williams? I don't. No, it's a, his name's actually no. Marquise Davis. Um, oh, it's still somebody different. Oh no, no, no! Wait a minute. All right, I'm mixing. I'm mixing up the the receiver and the quarterback. Sorry, I'm I'm not like. Uh, I'm still getting familiar with North Carolina's team. Okay, it is Marquise Williams, and and he was the backup quarterback, and he played in the last game against Virginia Tech, he had 277 yards passing in that game with a couple touchdowns, but he also threw a couple interceptions and he ran for 56 yards. And to me, that's pretty Didn't darn we impressive. Him, Gary? Didn't I don't we remember him Miami bit? recruiting him. I do not remember that. Oh. Um, maybe they did, but I don't, I don't remember them recruiting him, but I do think that there's a pretty darn good chance that they're going to see two quarterbacks next Thursday um, because he played way too well against Virginia Tech to just put him on the shelf. And, you know, Renner's been inconsistent, and uh, the offensive output has just not been there. They they um, they averaged 40 points a game last year, and this year they're only averaging 23. And um, their yeah. total offense is down about 100 yards year to year. So they're just not getting the offensive production. And at the same time, their defense has been terrible. So, it's a, you know, that's a lethal combination. Uh, so I, I think it's – probably all options on deck for North Carolina next Thursday. Um, but I do think that that's going to be a very desperate team that Miami has to play. Um, I don't, you know, I'm not going to say I feel as strongly about them giving Miami problems as I did about Georgia Tech. Um, but I do think that it's not that far away. It's a Thursday night game on the road. They're going to have one of those blackout, I think, type situations going on there. The fans are going to be riled up. Um, although I believe the students, somebody told me the students might be on break, which would be a help, obviously. Um, yeah. But, you know, there's enough athletes on that North Carolina team that if they come out with a good game plan and Miami's not on top of its game, that they could give the Hurricanes uh, some problems for a while. Probably not too dissimilar from what George Tech did. All right. All right. Yeah, I mean, I'm excited for it. I mean, it's just I know one thing, if we don't if we don't come to play, they, they will definitely uh... – ruin our chances of all this crazy winning the ACC and getting no BCS ball talk, you know? Well, you got to take them one at a time. You can't get, you know, can't get too far ahead of yourself with this, with this, with these things. Every game, 
stands on its own two feet. Obviously, you beat North Carolina. I think you feel pretty good about the Wake Forest game. Then you're 7-0 and going to Florida State. And you got Florida State, Virginia Tech, back-to-back weeks, and that'll tell the story of the season, you know? Yeah, no, for sure. And then one last thing, uh, Gary. I, I just, like someone like uh you know, like John, like Johnny Dixon. I, don't, I just don't get how he hasn't committed yet, and hasn't just seen that. How how these receivers, like a Coley, and like a, you know, if you're young and you can play, you're gonna you're gonna get the, you're gonna get some some playing time. I just I can't believe that he doesn't want to play close to home and um, just you know represent his hometown kind of. And I don't know, it's just being it's kind of mind boggling to me. But I don't want you. I know you t- you've already touched base on it, but just kind of yeah. reiterating that. I'm a little surprised. You know, I saw him this summer um, at the Rivals Five Star Challenge in in Chicago and had a chance to spend some time with him and and talk a little bit. And, uh, I mean, he flat was talking like he was ready to commit the next day. I mean, Miami was his leader, and, you know, he was very gung-ho about the Hurricanes. Well, you know, now here we are, you know, July, August, September, four months later, and nothing's happened, and it's been very quiet. You see – do you see him? Do you see him like telling like you know James Coley and Golden that he's he's committed? He just kind of wants to. I do not think know, he's a silent commitment. No, I don't think that's no, the case. No, no way, right? I I don't think he's a silent commitment. No, I mean you know he's taking trips to Ohio State. He's taking his parents up there. I mean he's seriously looking at all different places. You know, I mean the the kid's putting his uh, his time and effort into his due diligence. You know, so again I I think at the end of the day. You know Miami has so much to offer that kid, and and it's right down the road from his where his parents are, and and they're, you know it's it, it's hard for me to imagine him saying no, but again he hasn't committed, so it's we've seen crazier things that's for sure, no doubt about it. All right, yeah, I appreciate it, buddy. I'll I'll, uh, I'll talk to you, man. All right, thanks for calling. Six four six five nine five two zero four eight six four six five nine five. Two zero four eight. We've got plenty of phone lines for everybody. We're going to go back out now to the nine five four again, where you're now live on Kane Sport Live. Hey Gary, who's this? This is D from Florida. How are you? What's shaking, D? What's shaking is this. Uh, I was just listening to the conversation you previously had with a gentleman. Um, speaking of Tyreek McCoy, um, I understand that based on what we've seen before this Georgia Tech game. He's actually made a big presence on the field. If you can uh, recall, he had three turnovers w- in the past three games. Um, He's doing great. The question I have is, do, do you believe that Coach Golden and uh, should put him in the game earlier opposed to the fourth quarter? Because I believe he needs some playing time. And in fact, if you see the game, uh, the Georgia Tech, that first opportunity he had, he had a sack and a fumble. I mean, he is very hungry, and he wants to at least get in the second rotation. What do you think about that? All right, here's what I think is getting lost, and that, and I've heard this from you know a lot of guys uh, in, the, in the last mm-hmm. few days. What's getting lost is that was not a Tyreek McCord ball game the other day. You know, you're playing run defense on first, second, mm-hmm. and third, first, second, third, and fourth down against Georgia Tech. That's a different type of ball game. And Tyreek McCord's role on this team right now is a third down pass rusher. And, you know, the problem and the reason he wasn't on the field that much against Georgia Tech is you're not in that many third and nine and ten situations against that team. That team's always in third and short. 
um, and they'll go for it on fourth down. So you're still playing with your base defense on third down against Georgia Tech, and that's why Tyreek McCord didn't play a ton. Not not because the coaches don't see the great things that he's doing. I mean, the kid's playing phenomenal, and and he's filling that role that they've given him as as good as you could ever expect. But Georgia Tech was a different type of game. Yes, I do agree, especially with a triple option. I mean, it's a, it's a formation that a lot of gives a lot of defense uh, trouble. But moving yeah, forward, yeah, you're not okay, going to take have... like for example. Uh, let me just give you an example. You're not taking Shayon Green or Anthony Ciccolo off the field against that team to play Tyreek McCord. You see what I'm well, getting I mean, at? Ciccolo, well, I understand what you're getting at, but you know, Ciccolo and Green, they're playing the ends where you put you could put uh, Tyreek McCord in the outside linebacker. Yeah, but he hasn't. He he doesn't have the foundation. He, he's he's barely played in games at linebacker. His role is as a third down pass rusher. He's not, mm-hmm. you know, he's not ready to to take on Georgia Tech's offense as a linebacker over over hey, Gary Mark. Up. Gary Mark my take... word, okay? Mark yeah. my word and you're going to remember me. I'm going to call next show is that with the next couple games coming up, especially the Florida State game, uh yep. we got this guy with Jameis Winston. All right. Yes. Now, this guy, he is of course, he's can scramble. He can run. He has an arm. He, yep. He's phenomenal. But That's a Tyreek McCord game. Exactly. No, no doubt. No, same thing with North Carolina. I think you'll see a lot more Tyreek McCord against North Carolina. Okay. Now, Muhammad also. Close, hey, hey, don't ahead, don't ahead. don't sleep on Muhammad either. Muhammad's playing very good football for a true freshman. Oh yes, yes. Actually, you, you Al know. Golden at one point said that he was uh, one of the premier pass rushers in the team, so he was uh he was yeah. good praises Coach Golden. Uh, yeah, another topic I have uh with I'm um, sorry to just jump into topics because I have to uh run into something I'm sure you have a lot of calls in the end. Uh with Dion Bush, okay, um he, I've seen him a couple reps, I've seen him in special teams. Uh do you know more on his health and uh, what's his status? He looks to me like he's getting better, I'll tell you that. Uh, you know, the last couple of weeks, he's made a lot of forward progress. And uh, I thought that that special teams play that he made in the Georgia Tech game was very encouraging. He looked like the Deion Bush old on that play. And, you know, to me, that was a sign that he's ready now to start playing a little more defense. Yeah, that, and, then, and that's what I see. I see a, a Deion Bush that... Um, it's especially him going through uh, the personal matters with his father and his injury. He has a lot on his back, but that kid is very talented, and I, I need him on the yes, defense for real. Yes. Oh, I'm sure they want him out there. Trust me. He yes. just hasn't been ready. Now, I mean, you saw you saw what he looked like, you know, when he got on the field earlier in the season. He he didn't look very uh, ready to me. Correct but, he, correct. but he looked much more ready on Saturday. Oh, correct. Now All right. with. Uh, one one more question with the quarterback yeah, uh situation. Um it seems that we're most of those interceptions in the past couple of games, you gotta remember, it's not mostly Stevens Morris. I think it's uh the route running of the, the receivers. They're not on the same page. Now uh no, that's not that's not that's not true. Um what happened the first one he he was rushed and he kinda like got a little anxious and threw off his back foot. His mechanics are off because of the injury, and he threw off his back foot and the ball sailed on him. The second one was supposed to be a play-action pass, and and Dallas Crawford didn't run the play properly, and they didn't get the proper play-action motion into the play. 
and the linebacker had a deeper drop than they expected, and Steven didn't see him and threw the interception. So that that's what happened on those two interceptions against Georgia Tech. It had nothing to do with, with the receivers. The receivers are doing great. These these receivers are playing like NFL receivers right now. Yeah, and, and you know what? I agree. I mean, but uh, if you can remember the, the interception that he first had with the Georgia Tech, it was Clive uh, Wolford or whatever his name is, tight end. He actually, because I was I was right there. I'm sure you was there as well. You know, he didn't turn to look for the ball. I mean, some passes I understand that you know it's it could be the quarterback's fault, but sometimes as a receiver you have to find the ball. Yeah, but that one, that ball sailed on Steven. It, it was a it, it, he just he rushed the throw. The ball sailed. It was just the whole thing was mm-hmm. a mess. I know we're taking one game at a time, and I like the way you said it. Just the same way Al Golden is emphasizing it and making it a point to the players today. Because uh, moving forward, if we want to be a contender in the ACC, especially if we want to win it, we can't jump ahead. But looking at the schedule now, let's. Let's look at it. Okay, we go to North Carolina. We're gonna, we're hopefully we we take that win. We come to Wake Forest. We should win that. Going into Florida State, Tallahassee, undefeated. We won the game. Now, what is your vision then? Uh, the vision is you, you got, you know, that Florida State game is going to be a war, an absolute war. If by chance Miami is fortunate to win that game, um. Now you got to come back seven days later and do it all over again against Virginia Tech, and um, that's going to be a tough seven-day stretch right there. You know, Virginia Tech has a very good defense. They always put together good game plans for Miami. Um, you know, well, we're, I just we're think, actually, I think the ahead. depth gives my I think the depth gives Miami a chance, um, but you know, I think you just got to be careful about predicting twelve and zero seasons. You know, I mean, yeah, you not, know. Not too many teams go twelve and zero. <laughs> you know? Yeah, you know, I, I, you know, you're right, I, Gary. I, I, I'm just cautioning everybody: take one week at a time and enjoy the season. You know, but bringing it, the momentum with the FSU win. If we do win, that momentum carrying it on to Miami, then we can go ahead and say that uh, Virginia Tech. We are good with them at home. I mean, we always have a, a a way with them at home. When we play home with Virginia Tech, we seem to always win that battle. Um, but I, I'm just praying for you to be back. You know, as everyone is on our backs, everyone hates us. Um, hopefully, we can play Ohio State in the national championship, and we can take that back. You know. <laughs> All right, we'll see what happens. Hey, thanks for calling. Right, th- Thank you, sir. All right, we're going to shift gears now. Um, talk a little bit recruiting for a while, and I'm going to bring in a, a, a great friend to the show. Uh, a guy that lives recruiting every day of his life down here in the southeastern part of the United States, and particularly in the state of Florida, and that's uh, Keenan Codrington, the Southeast Recruiting Analyst for Rivals.com. How you doing tonight, Keenan? Doing well, Gary. How are you? Oh, doing good. Everybody's excited. You know, it's it's uh, it's been a rough go for Miami the last uh, nine, ten years. <laughs> a really rough go, and you know, I, everyone's fired up. You know, Miami has its football team back. You know, and uh, it's a it's a it's a pretty good season, but you know we we never want to lose sight on recruiting in the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I I think um, it's an exciting time right now. Um, you know, with Miami and the state of Florida in general, it's uh, you know I think uh, Miami, Florida State, and even Florida, they're all playing pretty well, and you know hopefully both teams can all three teams continue to have success and. That helps Miami on the strength of scheduling part, and then also on the recruiting front, you 
you know, you want to you want to beat your rivals, which they've done with Florida, and have a chance to beat Florida State in a prime time game. That's really going to help show recruits that the direction of the program is heading um, back to the championship level, with, which everybody's accustomed to. But I think the the five and zero start is very good, and I think um, I think a lot of recruits are excited. And the kids I talk to are, you know, I think they're they're jumping on the the use back, but um, you know they're also taking a cautious approach with it as well. So it's pretty it's pretty fun to see, and you know it's also fun to follow. And uh, as you know, Gary, covering the team a lot longer than I have, uh, when the national championship runs through the state of Florida, you know, with uh, with the big three. So you know, it should be a lot of fun to watch as conference is in full swing in October, and we get ready for November. Well, you know, that's one of the things I did want to talk to you a little bit more about, um, you know, just what you're seeing out there. You know, we're, we're seeing some of these national kids starting mm-hmm. to put Miami on their radar. And it's 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 kind of surprising because, you know, you, 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 you sort of thought that Alabama and LSU had a lockdown on all these kids. And at the end of the day, they might still. Um, but, you know, when I see guys like uh, Davin Gadshaw and Leonard Fournette, and mm-hmm. you know, this week even Bo Scarborough, who's committed to Alabama, you know, dropped mm-hmm. some hints that he might be considering Miami a little bit. And uh, you know, slowly, you know, people are taking notice um of what's going on down in, in Coral Gables and, and you know w- tell me a little bit more about what you're seeing in your travels as you go talk to these kids um in the local high schools and around the state and um what type of feedback are you getting more sp- specifically? Yeah, I, I mean it's it's positive. It, it really is. It's 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 Miami is the school that I'm talking to the most, or they're on me the hardest. And I think that's what fans, you know, and you know, subscribers of Kane Sport, and even just the general Miami Nation, I think that's what they want to see and they want to hear. You know, with the big time prospects at Miami, you know, they're on me. It's not just, you know, we're focused on the season. We're going to get to recruiting at the end of the season. Look what they're doing so far. Twenty five kids committed. You know, and now they can focus on football and kind of spot recruit the rest of the way. I mean, a guy like five-star inside linebacker Trey Williams announced this week that he's going to take um, an official visit to Miami. He's committed to Auburn, but he definitely wants to check out UM, and, he, you know, the coaches seem to be in contact with him. You know, they were also talking to his teammate Josh Kasher, who's the number, uh, number two-ranked center in the country. I know Miami already has a center in Nick Linder, but if you get a chance to get, like, Trey and Josh on campus and – um, you know, in the December when, you know, it's maybe cold back where they're from in Alabama or, you know, not much is going on, you know, you, you have a, you have an opportunity to sell your program a little more and, and you and you can sell not only the program, what you're doing right now, but the tradition and history of uh, of Miami. And then you also sprinkle in the fact that they have uh, Malik Rozier, a quarterback committed from the Mobile area. You know, you can start saying, well, hey, well, all three of you guys can play together. And, and those are some positives that Miami that Miami can – they can do in the recruiting trail and even in the state of Louisiana, like you mentioned with, with Leonard Fournette, um, you know, you already got Stanish Dobard uh, in your program and you can, you know, talk to him about, you can talk to Fournette about, you know, leaving your home state and having success in Miami. And those are, those are really good things. So I think kids are, I think players are starting to, you know, take a step back and say, Hey, look, you know, Miami is a school that's definitely on the rise. And I think they like the direction of the program. I, I just want I think some guys want to see a little more, little bit more sustained success this year, but I think all the kids I talk to, I think they're pointing to, hey, look, Miami is very close to being back. I think a lot of the committed kids will tell you they're back, and, and that's a good feeling. I think, they, I think they're back in that sense of the program's headed 
back to the the, the the championship ways of Miami of old. And I think that's a lot. That's very positive for the school and yeah, and, and uh, for Coach Golden and his staff. Keenan Codrington, Southeast recruiting analyst for Rivals.com, joining us right now on Kane Sport Live. If you want to ask Keenan a recruiting question, give us a call at six four six. Five nine five two zero four eight six four six five nine five two zero four eight. Uh Keenan, I wanted to ask you about a couple kids that I know you've spoken to in, in recent days. Uh let, let's start with uh, Anthony Moten, the uh, defensive tackle yeah. from Saint Thomas Aquinas. Um oh, yeah. a guy that Miami's been recruiting very hard. What's the latest with Anthony? Well, I I had a chance to catch up with Anthony today, Gary, and it it sounds like he is down to Miami and Florida State. Um, I think he's trying to get an official visit to Florida State. He had set his visit to go on um, Saturday, November 2nd, when they played Miami. He wanted to check out Tallahassee. However, he's taking his SAT um, that Saturday, so he's just actually going to take the test in the morning. Uh, Hopefully the game time is set for prime time. He said he may try to uh, make it up there depending on the schedule. Then the following week, he's going to go check out Miami and Virginia Tech. This will be the second time he's uh, he'll see Miami in person. Um, he's on the Florida game, and it, you know it appears that you know he he's pretty comfortable with Miami. I think he likes the fact that the depth chart may be favoring him to play a little bit early. But I think more importantly with UM is the support staff and structure that he's looking for. Um, and, and what I mean by that is, you know, you have former teammates like Philip Dorsett and Jelani Hamilton there, um, and Jelani can kind of show him the ropes. He's a guy that kind of brought Anthony along when he played with him at St. Thomas. So those are a lot of positives. I think Miami has a lot of momentum heading in, in, in the direction of Anthony Moten. But more importantly, too, if they're able to, you know, get him committed by um, the end of November or early November like he wants to announce. Uh, it's a position in need of defensive tackle, and he's a guy that can play defensive end, defensive tackle, depending on, you know, Mark D'Onofrio's 3-4 scheme or if whatever he mixes it up with. So it's a position in need, a guy with some scheme versatility. He's coming from a great program. He's a rivals 250 defensive prospect and a four-star guy with a lot of ability. I think that's a, you know, a home run for Coach Golden and closing – you know, as they're spot recruiting, you know, these rivals 250-time guys like Moten and, you know, Braxton Berrios is getting ready to announce, um, you know, uh, this weekend. So there's a lot of positives with Moten, and I think uh, Florida State is kind of in the picture. I think South Carolina may be on the outside looking in, but I think Miami is in really good shape with Anthony. And another guy I wanted to talk a little bit about, <clears throat> 20, 2015 kid, uh, defensive back out of Hollywood MacArthur, Kendrell McFadden. Yeah. And, um, a lot of us were hearing rumblings that he might be close to committing to Miami um, this weekend, but it didn't happen. And he and he, and he put it off, and he, he he told us that something came up without being specific. And um, tell me what you've been hearing there, what you what you think's going on, and 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 why do you think he did not follow through and announce his commitment this past weekend? Yeah, I mean, it's a good question. I had a chance to talk to Kendrell um, on the phone uh, the week, uh, the, the beginning of uh, the first week of October um, last week, early last week. And Kendrell was, he, you know, he had his top five and he was really high in, you know, a couple of schools, Miami being one of them. Um, he hasn't had a chance to make it to a Miami game this year. So he was going to the Georgia Tech game last week. He did say something came up, and he was going to maybe try to decide um, a little later on this month or after he got in in touch with um, some of the coaches. I think it's a situation where McFadden camped at Miami, camped at Florida State, and I think the coaches just want to see a little bit more of him from the Miami standpoint. 
<clears throat> excuse me, Gary, and uh, some of these other coaches to see if he can maybe make a transition to safety. He plays a lot of cornerback. He's kind of tall, but I think some coaches want to see him, you know, play a different position this year and then maybe try to jump on him and move on him. But uh, don't get, you know, uh, don't get me wrong. He's a very talented player that a lot of schools want. I think you just want to see a little bit more from him on the field, <clears throat> excuse me, and a little bit more um, more of an in-game action and try to evaluate him, you know, as his junior season rolls around versus going off his sophomore year tape. But I think Miami's going to remain in the mix for him. Um, he's had a family that played at Florida State, Brian McFadden's his cousin. I think Miami's done a really good job building a good relationship with him. More importantly, Coach D'Onofrio, he's really close to them. I think he really trusts them, and I think he's a coach he looks up to. So I think it's just a matter of time for, you know, for McFadden to maybe come off the board. But I think you you want to. I think some of these college coaches just want to see him a little more before they you know jump on him and accept his commitment early. Did you also hear that that Miami might possibly get a commitment from him? Yeah, I did. I mean, when I talked to when I talked to Kendrell, he he was very you know he had his top five, but he you know he was he told me that Miami was the school that was really standing out the most on because of the relationship with Coach D'Onofrio, because of the relationship he had with the coaches that checked him out in the spring. Um, I think he wanted to commit, but I think he, he you know after talking to coaches or talking to his head coach, I think he kind of backed off and decided to you know maybe take it a little slower um, and then you know, be on the same page with, you know, the school he wants to commit to, which at the time Miami was standing out and leading for him, and I think that's still the case. Yeah. Uh, we'll see what happens there. I'm going to go out to the phone lines a little bit here, Keenan, and we'll see um, if some folks have some questions for you. I'm going to start in the uh, the 404, where you're now live on Kane Sport Live. Here, how you doing, man? We're doing good. How you Hello. doing? I'm yeah, doing you're on good. the air with, uh, with Keenan and myself. Keenan, how you doing, man? Man, let me tell you, I was at that that, uh, St. Oak John Curtis game, and my goodness, Leonard Fournette is is ridiculous. (laughs) It's ridiculous. (laughs) It's it's, it's to the point where it's just the kid, I think it's Kenny Young, a tremendous linebacker from Curtis. I mean, Fournette ran over that kid at least five, six, seven times. Granted, Young had 10 or 11 tackles, but Fournette, just the vision, the balance, man, is it, do you think there's any way Miami can possibly pull him because he is just, he's just one of those special backs, special backs, man. I'm telling you, that kid is a game changer. I mean, he's, he's, he's that guy that can really just, I think, just uh, totally change the program, bar, you know, bar any major injuries or whatnot. Sure, sure. Um, I think Miami has a chance, and I think Gary and I touched on this uh, the last couple of times on the Kane Sport Radio Show, and I think Miami wants to put their, their best foot forward with him, and I think if Miami aggressively goes after him, they're going to have a chance with him. There's there's no question about that. I think, uh, you know, it, it's all about, you know, what Fournette wants, what he's willing to do with his recruitment, if he's willing to leave the state. Um, you know, Alabama and LSU seem to be the team's out in front for him, and rightfully so. They've been on him pretty early, but if Miami makes a push with him, they get him to campus. I mean, you, you, you never say never with him, and I agree with you. He's a, he's the number one running back in the country for good reason. He put on the show last week on ESPN, rushed for over 262 yards against a quality opponent, um, and he does a little bit of everything for his team. He, he's a special running back. He kind of reminds me a little bit of Marcus Lattimore, um, you know, when he's running the football. He's powerful. He's strong. I think Lattimore had 
better hands, but um, I think Fournette's a guy that you definitely, if you have him in your backfield, it makes the quarterback's life easier. Um, I think it's an SEC battle for him, but he wants to take an official visit to Miami. If Miami can get him down here, um, you know, with uh, Duke Johnson as his host, you, you never know. I mean, I think it, he has an opportunity to give Miami a serious look. It's just really it's just real it's gonna be a mutual type of thing between him showing serious interest in Miami and Miami doing the same thing for him. But if they're gonna go after him and I think they want another back in this class and another big back to go with year B and if you got a guy like him it's yeah. it's more than a it's more than a home run for UM. Yeah, that would be huge. And and the kid, uh, Braxton Burials, I think if I'm pronouncing mm-hmm. it correctly, is how I know he's committing on Saturday. Um, what do you think the percentage of him uh committing to uh Miami? No, that's a good question. That's a good question. Uh, Odds makers is always fun because we got we got hindsight half the time. But um, man, I think Braxton is around you know sixty to seventy percent for Miami. He just went to Tennessee this past weekend. I know South Carolina was in the mix. I think he's already been out to Oregon um, to visit uh, University of Oregon on his official. He's also been out there in the summer for uh, one of the Nike uh, seven on seven events, the opening. But um, I think I like Miami's chances. I know Miami wants another receiver in this class. I think Barrios is high on their board, along with Johnny Dixon. It may just be a numbers game, and who comes off the board earlier? Would they take both? Absolutely, I'm sure they would. Um, yeah, they would. I think, uh, they would take both. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You would take both, and you'd be pretty happy with the you know inside slot guy like Barrios and uh, um, you know vertical stretch guy like Dixon. So um, yeah, I think Miami's in really good shape with Barrios. I think. Uh, you know, I think it was with, with Miami when they offered him, you know, I think he, that was an offer he was waiting for when he got it. I think it kind of showed him he really belonged and his official visit. He enjoyed it. And I think he kind of has the attitude that reflects um, UM and, the, you know, the players of old with, the, the you know, the, the quiet, the, the, I would say the cockiness. He's got that quiet swag. He's got yeah. the quiet mm-hmm. swag about him. And, you know, He's a guy that can definitely do a lot of damage, you know, from the slot on option routes and, and choice routes on third down. And he's a, he's a special talent. You know, I talked to a coach um, up at Wake, Wake Forest, Roseville in North Carolina, uh, the head coach over there, uh, Coach Brooks, and his son, Bucky Brooks, is actually a former scout for the Packers, and he works for NFL Network. And his dad showed um, Bucky the tape of Braxton Berrios as a freshman when he stepped up when his brother went down with an injury. And he has single-handedly beat Wake Forest Roseville, and Bucky said this kid has all the ability in the world to be a top-tier college player and maybe have a future in the NFL just by the way his athletic playmaking ability is, but also, you know, carving a niche out and on the offensive side of the ball as a slot receiver or return guy. So a lot of people think very highly of him. I'm one of them. I had a chance to see him since his freshman year as well. And I think if Miami were able to go to North Carolina and get them, you know, get them from the, you know, Tobacco Road and some of the ACC schools and even SEC school like South Carolina, it's another major get and that state get for Coach Goldman, and it just further helps this class and builds uh, for the future. I, I think it's fifty-fifty, Miami, South Carolina. Yeah, right now, I, okay. from what I, from what I've been hearing, it's it's it, it's Miami, South Carolina, fifty-fifty. We'll see. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, Gary and Keenan, I appreciate you guys. You guys doing a fantastic job, you know, informing everyone about recruiting and canes. And uh, thanks again. All right, thanks for calling. Six four six five nine five two zero four eight. Six four six five nine five two zero four eight. Let's go now to the three four seven, where you are now live for recruiting talk on Cane Sport Live. 
Hey, Gary, this is uh, Kwame again. I just wanted to, whenever you guys talk recruiting, I have to call back. Not a problem. Um, Go ahead. Uh, uh, just wanted to ask, throw a question out there because it came up in conversation prior. Uh, these national recruits, I, this is the first time I'm hearing about uh, Devon Gotchow and, and Bo Scarborough. Can you touch on some of the national recruits, when they might be affirming their visits, uh, for which games, or are they going to come after the season? Could you just uh, expound upon that? And uh, Demetrius Jackson, you know, last week I, uh, I think um, the national recruiting director talked about only making him a three-star, uh, at least bumping him up to a three-star when this kid has like nine sacks in, in four or five games. Uh, what's up with that? Can Demetrius be a little more love? Uh, could you guys, I uh, guess, expound upon that a little more? All right, well, on the national uh, recruits, uh, you know, I'll jump in there first, Keenan. On the national recruits, sure, I, th- I think what you're seeing is they're starting to – their interest is being piqued. You know, Miami is a glamour school when Miami is right. Um, you know, you know all the sales points, the great schools, South Florida, and kids have a choice. Do you want to go to a college town like Tuscaloosa um, or LSU, or do you want to go to the big city – um, and play at my at a place like Miami or USC, and um, that's why when these schools are like Miami and USC are right, they're able to get so many kids. So I think what you're starting to see is the radars up. You know, people are seeing the brand of football Miami's playing, how exciting it is, the big plays, the flashiness, and I, I think that they're kind of interested. But you know, it's way premature to start predicting that they're going to come to Miami. But like Keenan has very astutely pointed out in all his appearances on this show. Anytime Miami can get a kid on campus for a visit, Miami has a chance um, to, to land that commitment. Um, as far as the Jackson question and his star rankings, Keenan, I'm deferring to you on that one. Yeah, yeah, sure. Thanks, Gary. And, and I think, um, you know, the first two guys that he, he mentioned, Godchow, um <clears throat> is a guy that, you know, his his recruiting was a little interesting. You know, we all thought he was, was going to commit to LSU very early. He didn't. And then he kind of just committed to LSU um, – you know, kind of randomly a little bit, but then said he was going to take his official visits, and Miami is one of those schools. So I think, like you said, it piqued his interest. I think he's legitimately interested in other schools. He just needs to get out and see them. And then a guy like Bo Scarborough, I think he's kind of new on the radar because he's been committed to Alabama for so long. He's from Tuscaloosa, but he transferred into the IMG Academy over in Bradenton. So he's going to have an opportunity to see some of these Florida schools up there close and personal. And I think, you know, he wants to check out Miami. He may check out Florida State. But, um, you know, he's a big back that is certainly that can carry the load if he plays running back at the next level or even receiver. Does he he's play running back or linebacker? He could play anything. This year. He could play anything he wants. Yeah, he's a, this he's kid a special is, This kid's a total, he's a total freak. Yeah, he is, and he played receiver at the Rivals 100 five-star challenge, presented by Under Armour. He's a guy that got vertically. He has good hands, but he's playing running back right now. You know, he could play defense depending on what school he ends up in. But, um, you know, Miami, he's got a little bit of his interest. You know, they're not too far away from him right now. In Bradenton, they can see him a little more. He can see them vice versa. So I think that's um, think that's important for UM as well. But with Jackson, um, Jackson's a guy we have had a chance to see him three times in person this year. He's going to get fairly evaluated. He's a two-star right now based off his limited spring film. That's the only film we we had, and it didn't circulate until kind of late in the summer. Um, you know, but Miami and schools like Arkansas, they thought highly of him, and they decided to offer him. So you know he has BCS ability. He committed to Miami. We like him. We think he has a lot of talent. Um, and, 
he's a three star high. He's, he'll likely move up to a three star. There's no doubt about that. With a chance to earn a four star status as he continues his, you know, his great senior season if he can put everything together and, um, you know, continue his success. But um, yeah, he definitely is going to be in the discussion, and he has every right to earn his opportunity to move up in the rankings. That's that's there's, there's no doubt about that. One quick last question before I go: Who can we look out? Uh, uh, you know, over the hill, who's committed now that we need to keep an eye on to say, hey, this guy is sniffing around? Who, who's out there that may be wavering from their commitment thinking about Miami? Well, that's a tough one. Um, you know, the, you have to start with the uh, – I'm looking know, at Dalvin much... Cook taking all these, all these doggone – he's just toying with my emotions. He's really yeah. toying with my emotions. Well, you know, I mean, I think a lot of these guys are going to enjoy the process. I mean, it cooks uh, yeah, cooks I mean, no different from from most of these guys at all, you know. I don't think there's a ton of guys right now on that Miami commit list that you would be sitting there saying that they're going to drop off. Now, you know, there's yeah, a couple yeah. of them that may not turn out to be good enough. At the end <laughs> of the day, if, if the quality of recruits that are interested in Miami keeps rising here over the last few months of this recruiting cycle. You know, I think a couple of these two-star type kids, like a you know Dennis Turner, for example, you know might at the end of the day, you know maybe they would drop off, but there's really not many of them, Keenan. Yeah, yeah, no, and, and I think the caller, you, the caller you were asking about UM recruits maybe wavering. Is that correct, or are you just talking about any no, other? I'm committed? asking about you know any other recruit that yeah, you know yeah, has I mean, a scheduled visit to. Miami, you know, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm looking. Yeah. I know guys set up their officials in advance. In some mm-hmm. in certain certain cases, I'm looking to see who is coming on campus and what dates are they going to be yeah. there, and if there's a possibility of them flipping. Yeah, sure. I mean, to, for example, um, you know, I just caught up with J.C. Jackson out of Immokalee, who's a Rivals 250 defensive back. He's committed to Florida. And he just took an unofficial to Miami this past weekend for the Georgia Tech game with his whole family. Um, I talked to his dad, and they really enjoyed the trip. They obviously they know Miami very well from you know Edger and James getting recruited, um, and he has family in the Miami area. Uh, JC does, and they like Miami. I just think um, you, you know he, he's pretty solid to Florida. I think he's pretty firm, but at the same time, I think if Miami continues to recruit him actively, um, they may have a chance to flip him late. You know they. T- the coaches told J.C. that they're only going to take one more defensive back, and he's their number one guy. So I think he feels very wanted. He just needs to, um, you know, figure out at the end of the day the best decision for him. Uh, he's talked to Edron, and Edron told him, you know, make the best choice for him. So keep an eye on a guy like J.C. Jackson. He's cousins with Ermin Lane. So maybe Miami sneaks in Ermin Lane for an official visit and uses that relationship. And, you know, Coach Barrow and Ermin are, you know, related, um, you know, from their home from the, the city of Homestead. They could maybe get two guys maybe to flip later on down the road. I'm not saying it's a it's a definite, but maybe getting them to campus and seeing how the season plays out, especially with Miami playing so well on the offensive side of the ball for a guy like Lane and even from um, a depth chart standpoint for a guy like Jackson with, you know, Tracy Howard and some of these guys being upper class for next year, he could see it as an opportunity to maybe come in and play a little bit early. So, you know, you got to keep an eye on all these guys. It's still very early. I think um, – committed guys are going to look around and <clears throat> Dalvin Cook's going to take his visits and, you know, we'll see what happens. There's still a lot of, you know, a lot of time left before, you know, National Signing Day in February. All right, Kwame, thanks for calling. Yep, thanks for calling. Ken, you got time for one more before we let you go? Yeah, yeah, last one. Thanks, Gary. 
All right, this last one, we'll go out to the uh, 954 now, where you're now live on Kane Sport Live. Hello? You there? All right. He disappeared. He'll have to call back. Well, um, Keenan, uh, for some parting words, uh, where have you been the last week or two? I guess it's been two weeks since you've been on the show. Uh, Who have you seen in the last two weeks? And, um, you know, give us some updates on what you're seeing out there. Yeah, yeah. The week before, Gary, um, I was actually at Cardinal Gibbons uh, Northeast game. And keep an eye on there's a sophomore receiver at Northeast. I know – it's probably going to pique a lot of Miami fans' interest because Stacey Coley and his success at UM from Northeast. But he's a sophomore. His name's uh, Benjamin Victor. He's around 6'4", 185. He doesn't have any offers yet. He's a 2016 guy. But, <clears throat> excuse me, he'll be a guy that – excuse me, Gary. Um, I was a little under, I'm a little under the weather here. But he uh, he's going to be a guy that once his tape gets out, he's going to have multiple offers and be a high-level BCS kid and – you know, when I was actually at that Cardinal Gibbons game, I had a chance to see Richard McIntosh Jr. He's a defensive end at Cardinal Gibbons. He picked up his first verbal offer from UM, from, and he says Paul Williams is actually recruiting him. UM's his dream school, so that's something to keep an eye on with him. Um, he's a good-looking six foot five, two hundred thirty-pound defensive end that played a lot of basketball. Played last year, but was a really good player on the Cardinal Gibbons basketball team. So those are two younger guys to keep an eye on. And then this past weekend, I was actually at a blowout game between U School and North Broward Prep. And, uh, you know, some of the underclassmen from that game, like Rashard Kazi, he's a DB from uh, U School. He's looking at Miami. 2016 sophomore receiver Sam Bruce is a guy who's checking out Miami. He likes Florida State. He likes Florida. So those are guys to keep an eye on. I think uh, – you know, they're keeping an eye on Miami as well, you know, and vice versa. They're just looking to see how the season goes, and I think they're kind of excited. So, you know, it's a, some good things happening for UM on the recruiting trail down here, and, you know, that's something that Coach Golden, he's made a priority. It's the state of Miami again, and I think recruits are starting to realize that. Yeah, I made a comment this week that this is as, as good of a coaching job top to bottom, and obviously recruiting is involved in that as I've ever seen at Miami. Uh, when you look at the player development, the, the talent acquisitions, the recruiting, mm-hmm. and, and and everything else, and um, you know, can't say enough about the job Coach Golden's doing, and and I think his whole staff is really stepping up to the plate uh, right yeah. now, and 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 doing a great job. They really are, and deserve a lot of credit. And I agree with you. I agree with you. I mean, I'll get you. You know, I'll get off on these. You know, on this last uh, topic, but uh, you know, I was one of the guys that before the year and you know you and I have talked and I kind of got on record saying that UM was you know some really you know some bad injuries away you know a guy like Duke got you know hurt or a guy like Steven because of lack of depth and I thought you know Miami could be you know if something were something like that were to happen they'd be in bad shape but like you said the development for a guy like Ryan Williams and you know Gus Edwards and even Dallas Crawford is um, they've done a really good job, and they kind of made me eat my mm-hmm. words, and I'll be the first to admit when I'm wrong, and I think I was on that standpoint. So you got to give Golden and his staff a lot of credit, and that's why they're the coaches and they're the experts, and that's why we stick to the unknown of recruiting. You know what I mean? Yep, and, and you know, as they have success, I think that they're elevating the level of kids they can recruit. So it's it's going to yeah, be from absolutely. a recruiting standpoint, it's going to be very, very interesting here these last couple months of this cycle and then going into 2015. Keenan, thank you so much for joining us once again. We'll, we'll catch up with you again in a few weeks. Sounds good. Thanks, Gary. Appreciate the time. Have- that was Keenan Codrington, Southeast Recruiting Analyst for Rivals.com, a frequent visitor to the show. Always brings us great insight. Um, he's out on the streets visiting high schools and stuff on a daily basis. Um, 
So always like to have him on the show. We got 40 minutes left tonight, uh, which means it's all about you guys now. Uh, 646-595-2048, 646-595-2048. Hope a whole bunch of you will um, decide to join the show. Uh, we're going to go right now. Uh, let me see who's been on hold the longest. We're going to go to the uh, 614, where you're now live on Kane Sport Live. Hey, Gary. It's Bill, also known as BGK on your site. Um, up, how are you? A um, couple things. I, I caught the tail end of uh, Keenan's um, uh, segment, and it was really good to what, what I caught. Um, I kind of want to ask you, um, obviously, with us being 5-0, and um, recruiting's like you said, like you mentioned uh, in the interview, uh, seems to be really taking off in terms of the number of uh, high, top talented guys that are interested in maybe at least visiting Miami if not coming. I, I like everybody wants feels that we need more JUCO help down on the defensive line. I know we're in on a couple. Um, I don't know if you can, if you wouldn't mind taking a couple minutes just to sort of either rehash or what you think Golden's strategy is going to be here on up uh, regarding Juco guys, or if you think maybe he's going to get a transfer or two like he did this year on the defensive line. I'll hang up and listen. Thanks, Gary. Okay. Um, Yes, I do. I I think that they're going to look hard at the Juco ranks. I think they are looking hard right now. Um, I think they would love to get some linemen, uh, some older linemen in in December to be part of this recruiting class. It's going to be a big need next year, just like it was this year. And, you know, imagine where they would be right now. Uh, Surprisingly, David Gilbert is not yet making a huge contribution, but Justin Renfro has been off the charts at defensive tackle. And, you know, imagine where this team would be right now without that little extra added depth at defensive tackle, um, which is helping out so much. And, you know, you see what a great job the punter is doing. And I think you're going to see Miami continue to be a player in that, you know, 50-year senior game where, where, where guys want to come and play a final season at Miami who maybe are tired of being at wherever they are or things aren't working out great like it was in the case of Renfro. Um, so I think you might see a little bit more of that. But in, in terms of a, a Juco defensive lineman, yes, I, I would expect there might be one that might emerge. I, I do not know who it's going to be at, the, at this point. Um, I think at defensive tackle, defensive end, you're also you know looking at Moten, is obviously a big priority um, and a guy that they'd love to have in this class. So yes, lineman, lineman, lineman is the uh, the name of the game right now. And um, even though they have, uh, I, guess, I think the number is four offensive line commitments right now, um, I think they would probably like to get a fifth in there as well, and maybe an older guy. Uh, so we'll see what happens there. Six four six five nine five two zero four eight six four six. Five nine five two zero four eight. We got plenty of room for you. Thirty seven minutes of show left. Let's go out now to the nine five four, where you're now live on Kane Sport Live. Hello, hello. You there? I think the, he's the same guy that dropped from the nine five four a few minutes ago. All right, let's um, let's touch on some of those uh, topics from the message boards at canesport.com. And again, um, anybody that would like to join the discussion on these, it's 646-595-2048. One of the topics that was brought up was Stephen Morris. And 
um, you know, during the week in game preparations, the injury reports come out. The word is that Stephen Morris is fine. Uh, you watch him walking. He's not really limping that badly. He looks great in pregame warm-ups. Then the game starts, and all of a sudden he's throwing off one leg. His mechanics are a little screwy. Um, yet he still is playing incredible, incredible football. I mean, you know, in the first half of that game the other day, he was 9 of 10 for 165 yards, okay, and and clearly was not 100%. You know, the the tenth pass was that one interception that sailed on him, and um, you know Al Golden at times said that he was a little concerned about what he was seeing out there from Stephen Morris, and you know he thought he was he was better, and you know then it looks like he's thrown off his back foot or on, or on one leg. Um, I think the bottom line with Stephen is that he's not 100%. I, I think you know he's getting an enormous amount of treatment um, on that injury. Uh, we're not sure exactly what it is. We've heard it called a bruise. We've heard it called a sprain, maybe a combination of the two. Um, he won't talk about it very much. Um, but maybe with this open week here, um, Stephen will, be, will you know, maybe show up at North Carolina in, in his best, best health uh, since the Florida game, and that would obviously – be a great thing for him. Another topic that was brought up um, was the refs in the Georgia Tech game, and you really couldn't help but notice that on multiple occasions, it really looked like Georgia Tech's offensive line was starting like a second before the ball was snapped, and there was no call being made. And it was a little bit bizarre, and something that the refs definitely seemed um, to be missing in that game. And then there also were a couple times where Georgia Tech seemed to get some advantageous spots. Um, but at the end of the day, nothing that you're going to hear Al Golden complain about. Um, if they ever have a beef on those things, they always submit them to the league office after they watch the game tape where they can back it up with the film. Um, I was asked how the refs are assigned, and typically those are assigned by the league office. Um, you know, they have crews that they rotate around. Um, do I think that there's an ACC ref bias against Miami? No, not really. I mean, I think when Miami first um, joined the ACC, maybe a little bit, but you know, I think Miami's been in the ACC long enough now that no bias exists. And you know, I think you know maybe that that referee crew, particularly the line judge, uh, maybe you know just was missing some things the other day. But I wouldn't read too much into it. All right, 646-595-2048, 646-595-2048. We're going to go out now to the 305. You're now live on Kane Sport Live. Hello? All right. Um, if you're still there, you'll have to call back. Um, moving on, is the offensive line getting better? That was a, a very big topic of conversation on the message boards um, in the past week? And I think the answer is yes. You know, And I'm not so sure that it was a coincidence that Chantrell Henderson wasn't in uniform the other day. You know, I mean, Chantrell, to me, is a guy that you don't know if you can count on um, one play to the next, much less one week to the next. And, um, you know, I thought those guys that are out on the field the other day really did a nice job against Georgia Tech. And it was the offensive, one of the offensive line's better moments of the season, um, probably the, the best since the FAU came, really. I mean, you know, they, they played, you know, they had a, a rough day against Florida. Um, 
they were okay uh, against South Florida. I'm not even going to talk about Savannah State. Um, but I thought against Georgia Tech, they were really uh, top shelf, uh, first rate. And uh, I think that is a sign that they're getting better. All right, now let's go out to um, – we're going to try the 305 again, where you're now live on Kane Sport Live. Hello? All right, I think he needs to give it up. Something wrong with uh, with your phone line, so get that straightened out and maybe give us a call uh, next show. 646-595-2048, 646-595-2048. Um, we talked a lot tonight about Tyreek McCord and his playing time and playmaking ability, um, how he's making a lot of big plays, and his ratio of big plays to downs is uh, pretty ridiculous, and yes, it is. Um, however, you know, I think, like I mentioned earlier, the Georgia Tech game was not the type of game where he's going to get a lot of reps because you're playing your bigger run defenders in that game. I do think, as mentioned, you're going to start seeing a lot more of Tyreek McCord in these games coming up against North Carolina, Florida State, even Virginia Tech. Um, we talked a little bit earlier about Dion Bush, another big topic on the message boards. Um, great sign when he made that big hit on special teams that, and he looked very fast uh, on that play. And that showed me that he's getting ready to make uh, a contribution again at safety. So, and uh, I'm sure the coaches are seeing it the same way and we're going to start to see more of Dion Bush, um, North Carolina, you know, how big of a, a challenge can they pose for the hurricanes? Um, it's one of those sleeper-type teams, to be totally honest. I mean, they have a lot of good athletes on that team. There are still remnants of Butch Davis recruiting at North Carolina. It just hasn't come together so far this year. But if that were a team that could put together a good second half of the season, would I be surprised? No, absolutely not. Would I be shocked if they gave the Hurricanes a little bit of a tussle on next Thursday night for a while? No, I would not. Um, but clearly a team that has a lot of work to do. They've been struggling on both offense and defense. Their offensive production uh, point-wise is about half of what it was a year ago. Uh, their defense has been terrible. Uh, so I don't think there's any question um, that Miami um, should win that game handily, but at the same time that North Carolina does have enough athletes uh, to make it interesting if they show up with their A game. Um, another topic that was brought up this week was, you know, people have been noticing that guys like Bo Sandlin emerged in earlier games this year, and then you get into the Georgia Tech game, and, you know, you don't really see him make much of a contribution. Um, I think one issue against Georgia Tech, and I'm going to take a look at my stat sheet real quick here um, so I could give you the exact number. Miami only ran 53 offensive plays in that ball game. And, um, you know, that's a good 20 to 30 less than usual for comparison. Georgia Tech had 81 plays in the game. And when you don't have a lot of reps, I think that affects the play of the backups. And I think, you know, Bo Sandlin is one that would um, certainly fall into that category. And um, I wouldn't read too much into it, you know, in any which way. You know, Bo's going to play. He'll get in games as the year goes on. He's he's making good progress. Um, you know, Georgia Tech was one of those circle games last week, a, a game Miami had to have. And when you get into games that you have to have against the better teams on your schedule, you tend to go with your top players longer. And um, Bo's very good. He's not as good as Clive Alford, and I think that's why you saw Clive Alford out there 
for the majority of the uh, the tight end reps. Uh, another issue that's been coming up is um, Philip Dorsett as a punt returner, and I'm not quite sure what's up with that. You know, for some reason, people are a little anxious to knock Philip Dorsett out of that punt return role. They think Stacy Coley might do better, and Stacy Coley's great. He he might do as good. He might do better, but you know, I don't think off one mistake like that botched punt the other day against Georgia Tech that you take a guy like Philip Dorsett, who means so much to this team, has been so steady throughout his career, and you just say we're taking you out of that role. I mean, you know, he had a run up about 20 yards on that punt. He misjudged it, fumbled it. You know, obviously you don't want that to happen. It's inexcusable. But I'm not sure you punish Philip Dorsett. And I don't understand really why people are so anxious to do so. Um, and uh, so I think Philip Dorsett will continue as a punt returner for the Hurricanes. All right, 646-595-2048. 646-595-2048. Uh, we'll see if they're getting their act together in the 305 now. Uh, and we'll go out to the 305 where you're now live on Kane Sport Live. Yeah, how are you doing, Gary? Doing good. Who's this? Uh, this is Sino three oh five. Alrighty. Um, How are you doing tonight? I'm good, I'm good. So I guess my question for you is, uh what's up with ESPN? They never talk about the Canes. Uh the, all they talk about is, you know, the SEC teams and some other teams like Oregon, stuff like that. But I mean the Canes, you know, are five and oh and we don't get any recognition. Well, I'll tell you why. I mean Miami's been off the radar for almost a decade. Uh, and that's Miami's fault. You know, Miami hasn't had its act together. Miami has not been relevant in college football for a long time. And now it's trying to become relevant again. And, and the only way to do that is win. And, you know, 5-0 and is a very good start in that direction. Uh, now you're going to be on national TV on ESPN for your next game, trying to go 6-0. and So ESPN is going to be talking about Miami plenty leading up to that game because they're going to want to promote the telecast. And then it's up to Miami to take care of business on national TV that night. And you go out and you and you look good and and continue to play the way you're playing, then people are going to keep talking about you. And then two weeks later, you play Florida State, which you know could be if Florida State beats Clemson, as I think they will, um, even though it's on the road. I, I I I like Florida State a little bit better than Clemson from what I've seen of the two teams. Um, I think there's a great chance that becomes a prime time national TV game. Uh, it certainly would be a candidate for game day. And now you got ESPN. If that happens, talking about Miami a lot again. Um, then the next week you play Virginia Tech, um, which is going to be another huge game. So there's going to be plenty of opportunities coming up here for ESPN to talk about Miami. And you know, I was watching. I, I think it was Sports Center a few hours ago. And uh, Tyreek McCord's quarterback hit in the Georgia Tech game was one of their um, top two candidates uh, for big hit of the week or one of those uh, features that they do on their broadcast. So people are starting to notice Miami. But, you know, you get, I think everyone just has to understand Miami has not been relevant for a long time. So it's not on people's minds. Right. That makes complete sense. Um, and then the last thing I wanted to ask you is, with Florida State, okay, so hopefully, I mean, we should be the favorite in the next couple games, right? We should be able to pull it off. But the Florida State Yeah, you're not going to be a favorite at Florida State, though. Florida State right. will be favored in that game, yeah. Exactly. So, with that being said, 
you know, what's your, what's your, how do you see us uh, win? How can we win that game? How do you see us, you know, going in there and winning? You know, it's going to be a war for four quarters. I mean, that's going to be a brutally hard-hitting, hard-fought ball game. You know, and you just got to make the big plays. You got to protect the football. You got to be able to run the football. Um, you know, the basics of winning big plays. You got you got to be able to do. And um, you know, I think it's anybody's ball game. I really do. I don't think one team has an edge over the other. I, I would like to think that Coach D'Onofrio is going to be able to come up with some things to confuse Winston. I mean, at the end of the day, the kid is still a true freshman uh, playing quarterback. And, you know, I think he's benefited a little bit from their schedule. And, and you know, I, th- I thought Maryland was a very overrated football team. You know, I'm not sure he's really been tested yet uh, to the degree that, you know, maybe people could test the true freshman. But, you know, Miami should be good enough to challenge him a little bit more. And uh, we'll see how he handles it. You know, I mean, typically, if you have two really good quarterbacks, you know, the senior would have an edge over the true freshman. Um, but, like I said earlier, man, you know, it's awfully hard to sit here and start predicting a 12-0 and season. You know, I mean, not too many teams go 12-0. and So, right. I would say one week at a time, you know, let's see how it plays out. And uh, But no question that Florida State game is going to be a great game. Awesome. Thanks for your time, Gary. I appreciate it, man. All right, man. Thank thank you for calling. Um, let's go back out to the 305 now, where you're now live on Kane Sport Live. Hey, Gary. How are you doing tonight? Doing good. Who's this? This is Ecstasy424. Been All a right, long Ecstasy. time subscriber. Thank um, you. What, Gary, what before I you? ask you my question, um, I, do, I do have to comment on, you know, I, I respectfully disagree with the Philip Dorsett situation as a punt returner. And uh-huh. I think it's less to do with the fact that he, you know, he made a mistake at a crucial point of the, in the game. I think it's more because, you know, Philip has a lot of speed to burn. I mean, he's the fastest player on the team. But I really feel that there's a difference between speed and vision, which is something like Duke Johnson or the Stacey Coley's have that Philip Dorsett may not necessarily have as much. Let me ask you a question. So I, well, let me stop you for a sure. minute. Stacy sure. Foley's played played five games in college. Now yeah. he he's great. I mean, phenomenal, and he's going to be an NFL first round pick probably, and everything else. But absolutely, I mean, Philip Dorsett's made as many big plays this year as Stacy Coley. No, I'm talking about punt returning or returning kicks. I'm not talking about wide receiving or receiving the yeah, ball. But, I'm talking about but you're judging kicks. you're judging off what you saw against Savannah State. You're right, but I mean, what I saw versus Savannah State is more I mean, than what I've ever seen in in terms of Philip ever returning anything. I mean, like I, I'm not, you know, I love Philip; he's a reliable player. But I just feel that, you know, we I'm not trying to, you know, I'm not saying that we should punish him. I'm just saying try something new. Maybe have two punt returners back there. You know, I mean, we've done that before. You know, to 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 you know, kind of throw some deception in there. Maybe have both Stacy Coley and fill up in the backfield in the punt returns and see what they can do, you know? So, but here's what I think. I think, they're, I think they're both great. I think they're both great players, great athletes, great speed. I think that you've got to give your senior Philip Dorsett an opportunity to showcase himself for the National Football League at this stage of his career. I don't think you want to overload your freshmen. To, there's plenty of punts next year uh, and the year after for Stacey Coley. Um I I just personally, you know, there's, I don't think there's a right or wrong here. It's not like I'm right, you're wrong, or you're wrong, I'm right, or whatever. Um, I I personally don't have any problem with what with what they're doing. 
Um, I think Philip Dorsett is, is a great player, and uh, this is his time right now to handle something like that. I, I agree with you on that one. So I guess, you know, just before I ask my question, let me ask another question then. If if in another game, let's say the next game, Philip does make a mistake in the punt returning, uh, like a fumble or, or you know, maybe um, catches a ball inside the five-yard line or something, do you think they should continue to have him as a punt returner? You know, I think if he if he does something you know bad enough, I think they would put Coley out there. I mean, that's you know that's the Al Golden way, you know, accountability. Um, I don't think there's any okay. preferential treatment. I don't think he's you know, but you know, don't cheer for him to screw up. I mean, you know, Philip Dorsett is no, a I'm huge not. part of the. He's a big part of this football team. I mean, oh, this is the oh, guy yeah, that I mean, that's, you know that's catch, making the big catch that he had. Yeah, the first catch that he had for that first touchdown was incredible, over the shoulder, and it was a little bit long, and he he made an awesome catch. So I mean, I, I love him. Yeah. So and how about the one he made it, in the Florida in the Florida game? Oh yeah, that you was know, an awesome catch. You know, too. I mean, because you know, you know how, how, yeah, how big was that? You know? Yeah, I mean, yeah, Morris can definitely on those long balls throw it on a rope, and you have to be dialed in on the ball in order to catch his ball. So I agree. Um, okay, to my question. So far this season, I've only seen maybe a handful of running back screens. Whereas in years past, I've seen them, you know, I saw them more often. Why do you know, especially someone like a Duke Johnson, you know, behind an offensive line on a wide receiver screen, you know, against Jordan Tech last year, for example. I mean, that can be very successful. How come we haven't run the wide receiver, the running back screen as much this year? I think you can't do everything every game. You know, it's a long season. Um, now I'd have to go back. I, I do believe I've seen at least one screen to Duke at some point this year. Maybe it might have been the Florida game. I'm, I'm trying to remember. Um, there's no question it's in the playbook. <laughs> you know, screens to Duke and passes to Duke are in the playbook. Um, right. But but you, you neither can or want to do everything every game. You know, you have to be able to game plan different weeks and throw different things out there that people haven't seen. Um, I feel pretty sure you're going to see the Duke involved in the passing game in the second half of the season. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of big games left now, you know, it's a lot of big games left. (laughs) Yep. You know, especially like a, you know, aggressive defensive line, like Florida state. I mean, something like a a wide receiver screen or running back screen can definitely, you know, change it up a little bit. So, yeah. But if you but if you ran it ten times so far this year, they'd be prepared for it, wouldn't they? True, See what I'm saying? True. You know, these are chess games. Every week is a chess game, and yep. you gotta have you gotta have new material. You know, you gotta have you gotta have some plays and wrinkles and things like that that people haven't seen. Just like what Georgia Tech did to Miami on Saturday. You know, you have yep. to you have to have those things, and you can't do everything every game. It's impossible. Can't can't throw the ball to every single player every game. You know, it's just it doesn't work. You know, like her Herb Waters. Um, I have to double check this on the stat sheet real quick, but I don't think he caught a ball the other day. Uh, no, he did not. You know, Herb Waters did not touch the football against Georgia Tech. Okay, now you know Herb Waters has been a big part of this offense. You know, the whole year. You know, he had two catches right. for seventy three yards at, at South at South Florida. You know, um, let's see. I, I, I look back to the um, to the Florida game. You'll remember he caught it. He caught that touchdown pass against Florida. Yep, in the corner. So, so, yep. Yeah. Well, against Georgia Tech, he didn't touch the ball. So you know, you're not going to do the same thing with the same guys every single week. Right. Well, Gary, thanks a lot. I'll call in next week. Um, thanks a lot, though.
We appreciate it. Thank you so much. All right, let's go out now to um, the 305 again, where you're now live on Kane Sport Live. Hello? Yeah, it's me. Yep, it's Hello? you. Yeah, you're on the hey, air. How you doing? All right, good. Cool. How Thanks, you doing? Man. Uh, listen, I, um, I'm 40 years old. I grew up on Bird Road at 57th Avenue right next to Coral Gables, and I'm the biggest UN fan that I know. And I just there's something that bothers me, you know, that I don't I haven't heard anybody else mention, and that is how small the logo is on the field. You you look at the Clemson or the Gators, you know the yeah, logo. Yeah, I'll tell you why. It you know it's, it's it's a beautiful thing, you know, and you the U is is like number <laughs> one in the world, you know. Why is it so small? I'll tell you. I'll tell you why. Um, that's a portable chunk of grass. Believe it or not, in fact, one of the coolest things, you know, sometimes um, there have been a few times where, where I've been at the stadium uh, an hour or two after the games, and they literally, like, bring a, um, a crane out there, um, or, or actually, I guess it's probably more like a forklift, and they lift the turf out of the ground. And, you know, then they put, then they have to be able to put the Dolphin logo, but, you know, out there so you know it's part of it's it's a byproduct of sharing the stadium with dolphins and they have to accommodate uh, both and they you know so they've they've created a system with portable turf and they just they literally lift it out of the ground and and you know refarm it in between games and and uh then bring it back and the same thing with the dolphin logo so that that's why it's it's the size it is if it were any bigger they wouldn't be able to move it Oh man! Oh man! It's just it was just a, a small thing to maybe to many people, but but it bothers me, you know, because the the logo is just larger than life to me. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, may, maybe one day in in somebody's next lifetime, Miami will have its own stadium, but uh, I don't I I don't see that happening anytime soon. So I would stay used to that little logo. <laughs> oh man. Anything, Anything else tonight? Uh, you know, I, I can talk about the U all day, but, you know, that was just one thing that I had to get off my chest, you know, and I, thanks for explaining it to me, man. I appreciate it. Oh, not a problem at all. I'll hope, call back soon. Uh, yeah, hope you call back again soon. All right, we have 14 minutes of show left, 646-595-2048, 646-595-2048. We have plenty of phone lines still open for you to call the show. Uh, let's go out now to the 850 where you're now live on Kane Sport Live. Hello? Hello? You're on the air. Hey, what's going on, man? My name is Derek Parker. What's up, Derek? Not a whole lot. Hey, I just got one question, man. I want to know about this uh, this little kid, Treon uh, Harris. Is Miami mm-hmm. even looking at him? Are they considering him? Yeah. They, you know, they've offered him as a receiver. You know, they they would love for him to come to Miami and play receiver. Um, you know, the kid just has his heart set on being a quarterback. And so, you know, Florida State told him that they would let him play quarterback. I'm not quite sure who's thinking what there. I mean, they have a freshman who's a Heisman Trophy candidate right now. I don't I don't think Winston's given that job up uh, next season or the year after for sure. Um, exactly. I would get then it, I would think at that point he would go out. Um, but you know, you got you got a kid that's you know what I maybe what a five eleven six six foot. Uh, right. I'm gonna look up. I'm gonna look up his his listed height uh, right now. But I believe he's about you know six foot. Um, you know he's not right. not not very tall. And right. um, 
more in many people's eyes of an athlete. You know, a guy that could right. play. Yeah, he's listed at 5'11". You know, that should be an accurate height because we, we measure these guys. But, you know, how many 5'11", 180-pound quarterbacks are big-time college football players? I mean, you know, not many. And, um, right. you know, Miami's evaluated him. He's a great athlete. They they told him he could come be a, re- a receiver in the Hurricane program. But his heart's set right now on being a, qu- a quarterback. And, you know, will that change between now and February? You know, you never know. I mean, you know, his dad's a coach. <laughs> this is a business. Right. And if, if if you know if that were if that were my son, I'm not so sure. I wouldn't be saying you have a much better chance of being a great receiver than you have of being Russell Wilson. Um, but you know that's not that's not my role in in his life or anybody else's life. And um, so I, they're just going to have to continue to work through the process. You know. Right. Absolutely. I totally agree. Um, I'm just looking forward to this Florida State game now. Uh, I'm well, you still got about that. You got to get past North Carolina first, man. Everyone's got to take these one week at a time. You get, you know, yeah, you lose to North, you lose to North Carolina, you're feeling pretty sick. You know, right. <laughs> with with with, with so many. <laughs> well, you know, you got so many exciting days ahead of you there with Florida State and Virginia Tech coming up soon. You know, you'd hate to screw right. it up by losing to North Carolina. So right now, I think I'll focus on North Carolina and then Wake Forest. And uh, wow, then 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 it's game on. You know. Right, absolutely. Well, I'm here in Tallahassee. I plan on being at the game myself, so. Oh, good. You and about 20,000 other Canes fans. (laughs) Absolutely. Thank you, baby. Well, uh, that's all all I have for tonight, man. I'm going to get ready to go to work, but um, I just wanted to call and find out a little about um, Creon. All right, thanks for calling in tonight. 646-595-2048, 646-595-2048. 646-595-2048, 646-595-2048. we got 11 minutes left to go tonight. Feel free to call in. Let's go out now to the uh, 615, which I believe is the Nashville area, where you're now live on Kane Sport Live. Hey, Gary. Uh, this is Steve calling from Nashville. A uh, uh, big follower of the Canes, grads, alumni from 75, Uh my question is, do you see any surprises? I mean, I, I'm on the message board listen, watching you guys pretty much every day. And historically, Golden, um, you know, or at least the last two years, he's, he's he's brought in some guys at the last minute that we were very surprised, and, you know, that were coming or that we didn't even realize that Miami had a lot of interest in at the time. Do you see that uh, happening again this year, or, or do you have any insight on yes. who that might possibly could be? Yes and no. <laughs> um, yes, I do see it happening just because you know these guys are constantly grinding on recruiting. You have you have no idea what we go through trying to keep up with who these guys are recruiting so that we can report about it. And um, you know it's a very hard working, hard grinding recruiting staff, and and you know they're always making new contacts and finding new prospects and getting new kids interested and and things like that. And, and uh, yes, there will be surprises. There already are surprises. I mean, just in the last couple of weeks, you have three of the best prospects in America who are saying they're going to visit Miami. I mean, that wasn't the case a month ago. So, um, right. yes, there will definitely be surprises. Thank you. That's it. Uh, all right. Yeah, that's, um, that's hope, All right. Hope you'll call back again in, in a future week. 646-595-2048. Nine minutes left. Feel free to call in. We're going to go out now to the 305 where you're now live on Kane Sport Live. Hello? 
All right, you'll have to call back. All right, uh, guys, you know, if, if you're trying to listen to the show on your computer while calling in on the phone, it, it may not be in sync. And, and that's why I think some of you, when you're calling in, are, are getting dropped. So um, just be aware of that when you call in, maybe listen to the show on the phone for those moments and turn your uh, sound off on your computer so you don't get confused. All right, 646-595-2048. We're down to eight minutes now, still room for your calls. Going to go back to our list of topics uh, that we've been hitting on all night and see if we can get through some more of them. Um, One was asking about Marlins Park as a potential destination for UM football games. Um, Miami has been contacted by the folks at Marlins Park. Um, However, I don't really see anything happening there. They have a long contract at Sun Life. I think there's going to be improvements at Sun Life that are going to continue to make that a more appealing place to be for Miami. Um, You know, the fact that uh, Marlins Park is closer to campus, I don't see as a huge issue because Miami draws from all throughout South Florida and has fans coming from everywhere. Uh, So, you know, you move down to Marlins Park, you're further away from Broward and Palm Beach. You know, I don't see it as a big deal. Um, and I do not think Miami is going to be moving to Marlins Park anytime soon. It just does not set up great for a football game. You can force a bowl game in there um, if that's your agenda. Um, but as a permanent home field, um, I'm not sure um, that I see that. Another question, how many recruiting classes is Miami away from being a program that can compete for national championships on a consistent basis? I'm going to say it at least – two. Um, and I say that because, you know, without going position by position right now and 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 trying to figure it out, because we don't know who's going to be brought in between now and next season. Um, but there's going to be some challenging spots next year on this team. Uh, you, you know, you're losing a, a lot of uh, power at the defensive tackle position, for example. Um, you know, lose, potentially losing a guy like Denzel Perriman if he goes out early. Uh, you've got some other guys that might go out early this year. Um, so the depth isn't quite there yet. And um, I'm going to say two more classes uh, before Miami is where it needs to be to compete for national championships on a consistent basis. That would be year five of Al Golden, which jives with what it's taken other coaches in the past. Okay, back out to the phone line, 646-595-2048, 646-595-2048. We've got six minutes left. We're going to start right now in the 813, where you're now live on Kane Sport Live. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing good, Gary. What Hello? can we do for you? Yeah, go ahead. What can we do for you? Yeah, I, uh, what I was doing, I was when I look at the schedule for Miami Hurricanes, okay, uh-huh. and um, – they're saying if we lose one game just against Florida State, just say it. Um, how do you see us being ranked where we be able to play like in one of big old BCS games? BCS games. Um, if if Florida State is the only loss and then you beat Virginia Tech, I think you're still very well positioned. Um, you'd be in the ACC championship game if you win that game. You go to the Orange Bowl. Um, if If you beat Florida State and lose to Virginia Tech and Virginia Tech goes and plays in the ACC championship game and Miami is sitting there at 11-1, I think there's a great chance Miami would be in the BCS as an at-large team. So, you know, there's a couple of scenarios that could play out uh, that would put Miami in the BCS. Um, I got to believe a Miami team 
that has zero or one losses, obviously, would be in the BCS. I think two losses probably sends you to Orlando or something like that. Yeah, uh, yeah, because um, what I was looking at, I'm looking at like the Louisville schedule, and they and when you look it's on the college sport, they always talking about the way they schedule and they have a week schedule. If they win all their, their games, uh, they can't play for a national championship. I mean, I, I believe in my heart, I believe Miami going 12 and 0. I just I'm just putting my mindset there. Slow but down, man. What, what, slow down. I know it. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna slow down, but you know, but I'm just looking at as when I look at the, the schedule and I'm like, okay, is our schedule strong enough? Where we could vote past a uh, uh, LSU that may have one loss, or uh, uh, Oregon may have one loss, or a Stanford team. That's what I'm looking at. Well, I mean, the SEC teams are going to start eliminating themselves. You know, so you know there there may be one sitting there with one loss, but you know if if you're undefeated. If you're a Miami team that goes undefeated and you've beat Florida, Florida State, Virginia Tech, and and won the ACC championship game, I gotta believe you're gonna end up getting the nod over a one-loss SEC team. But again, okay. until we're dealing with specifics in December, I I think it's really hard for us to speculate right now. To be honest, uh, you okay. know, there's just so much left to be played, and you know, so many games and wins and losses. I mean, we, we you know, but you know, Miami just has to keep winning. If they keep winning, obviously, they'll be in the BCS. Okay. Thank you, Gary. All right. Um, hope you'll call us again uh, next time. Uh, let's go out now to the 954, where you're now live on Kane Sport Live. Hello? Hello? Yep, you're on the air. Hello? <laughs> you're there. All right. Uh, I guess another one that's trying to listen to the show on his computer while he calls. All right. Um, we got about two minutes left. Let me uh, let me try to touch on maybe one or two more of these topics really quick. Um, question was asked about deferring if you win the toss, and um, coaches like to do that. You know, they like to defer to the second half. Um, and you saw a scenario where Miami had the ball at the end of the second quarter and then had the ball again at the beginning of the third quarter, it really gives you a chance um, when you're receiving that second-half kickoff uh, to make a big impact on the game, in my opinion. So I don't have any problem with the defer. Although I was kind of surprised that they chose on Saturday to put Georgia Tech on offense. Um, I know, I believe last year, if I remember correctly, uh, Coach Golden made a different decision there. And when Miami won the toss, um, he elected to go on offense first, uh, but maybe it's because that that was a road game. I'm not really sure what his thinking was there. But uh, the standard operating procedure is typically uh, when coaches win the toss, um, they do elect to defer to the, um, the second half. Um, let's see. Another question that came up has been FSU's cupcake schedule. And, uh, yes, it has been pretty soft. Um, we'll take a quick look at it here. They opened it at Pittsburgh, you know, a very average team. They beat them 41-13. Then they played a, a bad Nevada team, won that 62-7. to Bethune-Cookman, 54-6. to At Boston College, 48-34. And then Maryland, 63 nothing. So this is a team that is, has not really been challenged so far this year. They will be challenged in their next game at Clemson. And it's going to be very interesting to see what FSU does against Clemson. I think they're better than Clemson. 
Um, but they're going on the road. They haven't been tested yet. Clemson has. That could give Clemson an edge in that game. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. All right, well, we're out of time uh, for this week. Great show. Thank you for everybody calling and participating. Uh, thank you to Keenan Codrington for joining us and talking recruiting for a while. We're not going to have a show next Tuesday uh, due to the short week and some travel considerations and stuff. So no Kane Sport Live next Tuesday. We'll be back in two weeks from tonight um, and see where, where Miami is after the North Carolina game heading into Wake Forest. So um, hope you all have enjoyed the show. Thank you very much for joining us, and we'll see everybody next time.